right, welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you for joining us once again this week. It's been great uh, to be back and um, back in the swing of things, if you will. I've been able to get back to kind of like a standard routine, and uh, you know, our church and uh, and work has been crazy the last couple of weeks, and uh, really for the past month, to be honest with you. And as I've been able to navigate that those stages of life, um, you know, this podcast, and just looking forward to recording this. Um, you know, it's, it's been great. So, um, I, um, man, I, I've got to, I have to share something with you that I shared with my church on Sunday, uh, that I think, I mean, at least I hope, um, that many of you will be, um, you know, appreciative of maybe at least a little bit of this perspective. It might speak to where you're at in, in life. And, and sometimes it is, it is kind of where I've been at too, you know, um, and so I'll share a little bit of that, but, uh, before we begin, I, I just want to just give a shout out to all of our podcasting sites, our hosting platform, SoundCloud, where our podcast is hosted. So grateful for them. Also, thank you to YouTube for allowing us to be on that platform as well and be looking for any future updates on our Facebook page. And if there is anything that um, that we can ever be doing as far as feedback or guests or, or what have you, please, please, please feel free to send your comments, questions, concerns to WSNSpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. So I had a question for you. Have you ever in your life, in your walk with God, ever gotten tired of waiting for him? I mean, just sick and tired of waiting for God to just move or answer your prayer request in a specific way. You know, something of that sort. Has that, has that happened to you? Well, it's happened to me. And this past week, I, I wrapped up finally. We got through it. Uh, all of the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And we ended with the book of Malachi. Now, Malachi, you know, or in Hebrew, Malachi, for those scholars out there, he is writing about 100 years after the time of Haggai, Nehemiah, Ezra. You know, if you remember, after the Babylonian exile, the people returned to Jerusalem, you know, this holy city, this great place, place of a covenant, place of, of meaning, and the temple's desecrated, so Ezra's like, hey, let's rebuild a temple. Then Nehemiah's like, well, we got to protect the temple, so let's rebuild the city walls. And then Haggai the prophet instructs them on how to rededicate themselves back to the Lord. So, yeah, those three, like, heavy hitters all existing in one time. I, I would love to have met those gentlemen. And then, a hundred years go by. And all the generations that saw and, and heard the charge from, from Haggai, Nehemiah, and Ezra are all gone. And what happens to their ancestors? Well, we, we know what happens, right? They end up falling by the wayside. And here is the book of Malachi entering in. And in the first two chapters, God is attacking both the priests and the people, saying, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. And the people are like, what are you talking about? I, what, do you, what do you mean we're not giving you good offerings? What do you mean we're not teaching the word? What do you mean we're treating our wives badly? What do you mean we're giving stolen money to the offering. Uh, what are you talking about? And by the way, aren't you supposed to be a God of justice? So it's like these people committing sins, they're upset that other people aren't getting punished for their sins. And it's like, well, isn't that the pot calling the kettle black, really? And then God in chapter 3 says, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to send my a purifier. He's going to take care of all this. And then in the fourth chapter, there's admonition, but he says, you will frolic like calves in the wild, the wicked will be trampled under your foot. Remember the laws of Moses, I will send Elijah to you. And it's a promissory note to, to what's going to happen in the future. And, and then nothing, 400 years of silence. 
this long quiet that I refer to as personally of these people, the last words are saying, hey, can you stop doing what you're doing? Please worship God. And remember the commandments I, I spoke to you. Remember all those stuff I gave to Moses. And then ultimately, do you also remember that I am promising to send Elijah to you? And now John the Baptist fulfills that role in the New Testament. You know, Elijah and Moses are the two people that are witnessed be with Jesus. So this is a this is a very, very great unfolding of events for people. And then this these faithless people that are called back to be faithful, 400 years of nothing. Now, through the genealogy in Matthew, we get to see names of people that existed, but we're not told from a biblical perspective what happens to the people of God and what are, what are God's words for his people during that 400 years. What, was it a test? Is it just, hey, remain faithful to me. I will send the Messiah. I'm working on my own timeline, not yours. It can be a hard pill to swallow, can it? That there's nothing. It's just silence. Isn't that kind of strange? Isn't that kind of wrong? Would we say wrong? Why would he wait 400 years, right? Couldn't he have done it much quicker? Well, of course. Well, and you see in our own lives when God doesn't move when we're waiting for God, waiting patiently on the Lord. Our patience can wear thin at times, where that patience can lead to despair, which can ultimately lead to apathy, where we just don't really care anymore. And the charge that I gave to the church this past week is that, yet again, our faith, our faith, our whole purpose in life to worship God what if our message is to carry that torch and then pass it on? Where all of our dreams, our fulfillments, that stuff we lay by the wayside because we know that worshiping God is our ultimate purpose here. So therefore, our faithfulness in the midst of trials, tribulations, long-suffering can bring others into the kingdom. We show them not a medicinal way out, not a suicidal way out, not an angry, lashing out, way out of our own depression and grief and despair, but it's handing it over to the Lord in peace, knowing that the God of the universe cares about us, that that's the healthiest way to express that grief is to lay it before the Lord. And our own anger, do not sin. And our own despair, do not curse God. Right? What if that brings somebody else into the kingdom? We could be so sometimes focused on ourselves that we forget that our witness, our forbearance, if you will, has a tremendous impact on people because you don't have to talk to people to have an impact on them. In fact, most people's impression of you comes through nonverbal communication, through reputation, body language, through hearsay. What is this person like? What are you like? And, you know, for me personally, one, one of those things that I struggle with, and I, and I do, I, I really do, um, is a relationship. You know, I'm, I'm still single and, you know, I'm an only child. And as, as much as I'd like to say that I got everything figured out, I've, you know, I've expressed before on this that, you know, I've, I've been in love. I've, I have 
experience that. So I know that's something that I would love, but for whatever reason, I remain single. Now, I certainly could change that if I really wanted to. I could sign up for an online dating service or an app or whatever and, and truly meet somebody. But that would be out of, at least for me, this is me, not anyone who does this, but I know for me, my own motive, it would be sheer desperation. It would be to fulfill a void in my life that would be completely selfish. Now, I know the wanting of somebody, like a companion to spend the rest of your life with, that's not necessarily selfish. I don't think anyone who says, yeah, I'd love to have, love to be married and have kids. I don't think anyone's going to innately say, oh, that's so selfish of you, <laughs> right? But I know my motive would be selfish because I've been in relationships where I just want to fulfill that, that void of loneliness and it's at the other person's expense. It's utilitarian. It's, okay, I'm not lonely anymore, so why are you still here, right? It, that That might be very crass. That might be very blunt, but that's eventually what my actions communicated and it was all my fault so me personally that's that's one of the areas where it's difficult waiting on the lord why and then i remember well i have other things that god has me focused on right now it's my church it's my work that's important and at least for right now, that's not in my immediate future. And it sucks sometimes, if I can be completely honest. It, it does. But it does not mean that that's the measure of my life from a spiritual perspective. What are we filling in on those gaps? Are we spending more time with the Lord, or is our tendency to retreat when we don't feel close to Him? It's the same question I've asked before where, you yell at God, say, hey, God, where have you been? And he goes, well, that's an interesting question. Where have you been? I haven't gone anywhere. Just because you didn't get what you wanted means that I have forsaken you? Be difficult. So waiting patiently on the Lord, that is our takeaway for today, is not always for you. You might be waiting as a testimony to other people, not because how great you are, not because you're so important that God's testing you and he knows you can handle it and it doesn't mean that we need to Jobify ourselves, so to speak, or protagonize our way into Scripture. No. But it's a humble reminder that we're, we're, there's no really room for the self in Christianity. We have to lay ourselves aside and say, God, how can I be used for the benefit of your kingdom? If we have that attitude, maybe that endurance, that patient endurance would not be as difficult. Maybe the burden would just get a little bit lighter knowing that I'm suffering, my present suffering, however you want to define it. It's not for me, it's for God. And if we truly do trust Him, we must trust Him consistently. Anyway, that's what I have for you today. May God bless you, and may God keep you.